Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 75 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good Joey, how are you? Very good my friend, very good. This is episode number 75. On this show we have actually brought you a 150th guest. Our first guest that will be joining us who's an undefeated prospect, will be on the show very shortly. He is our 150th guest. So it's a bit of a milestone for us, I suppose. I thought we'd mention that before we get down to business. We're going to get down to business right now, to be honest. We're going to start with a card that happened on the 17th of March. So last Friday, this one. Um, Well, this fight happened over in Argentina at the club social E Deportivo. Uh, Buenos Aires, uh, Fabian Maidana, the brother of Marcus Maidana, he actually picked up a TKO in round two, so he moves now to 12-0, his opponent was down in the first round as well and received the count, and uh, in the second round he was down again, and his, well, the other corner threw in the towel, so a good win there for Fabian Maidana against a guy who was actually a decent fighter. Uh, moving over now to Australia. A fight to mention over here. This one was also on the Friday. Um, I've got to say this. There was so many. I don't want to say upsets last weekend. But I, I want to say that there's a lot of fights that went away that no one would have predicted them. And we're going to... I believe I've gone through them. I believe there's nine fights where I don't think anybody could have predicted that outcome. I mean, there wasn't like, oh my god, it's incredible. I can't believe it. But... There were, there were fights that, that are pretty strange. And one of the first ones is this one here. So over in the Melbourne Pavilion in Australia, the home fighter, 23-0, Zach Dunn, the uh, the Commonwealth champion at super middleweight, he actually put his belt on the line against Scotland's very own David Brophy, the man who, of course, you know, he stepped up against George Groves and came unstuck. His record, 18-1 and with one draw. David Brophy went over to the outback and did the business. So he's, uh, you know, he's come back now and he's very, very happy with that new piece of silverware, the Commonwealth belt. He picked up a TKO in round seven. So a serious statement for him. Very well done for David Brophy. He's now 19-1. and His opponent, Zach Dunn, the champion, dethroned, now 23-1. and So uh, brilliant stuff there for the Scotsman. Moving over now to York Hall. Uh, it was the first of the promised many next-gen shows, where we're going to see quite a lot of the next-generation talent of the Matchroom stable. Uh, Starting with the main event now, Reese Bellotti. I'm actually a guy that, for some reason, I always call him Reese Belletti. I I, I know his name's Reese Bellotti, but I always call him Belletti. But uh, Reese Bellotti... 8-0 8-0 in this fight. He moved to 9-0 with a KO in round 3 against Dyer Davis, who has a record of 14-25 and 25 now with two draws. So a good win there for Reese Bellotti. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of him. I've always said that. I've said that many times now. A nice guy in... Well, I should say outside of the ring. Inside the ring, he's a bit of a, 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 bit of a beast, actually. He's... Um, he, can, he can seriously bang as well for his weight. He can, he can hit, like, you know, a bit more... You know, he's a featherweight. I reckon he can hit... Really, he can hit probably a bit like a lightweight. He can crack quite a bit. So good stuff there for Reese Bellotti. Uh, also on that bill, Alan Higgins put in his Southern Area Super Middleweight title on the line against Craig Richards. Both guys undefeated. Craig Richards, we will be speaking to as our first guest. So we'll have him on the show. So uh, we'll leave most of that fight to him. It was a decision over 10 rounds that went in favour of Craig Richards. It was points which means, obviously, the referee, um, you know, the referee says who wins. So, um, yeah, for me, I believe it was very, very close. Eddie Hearn actually had Alan Higgins winning the fight, which was a bit of a shock. So he went home unhappy, 
and uh, Craig Richards went home the happy man, but of course he now gains the Southern Area Super Middleweight title, and all the best to Craig Richards, he's a friend of the show, as I say, we'll leave most of the talking to him, he's going to be on shortly. Uh, also on that bill, Paul Highland Jr. moved to 15-0 and with a points win over eight rounds against Peter Cope. Uh, Felix Cash moved to 5-0 and with a points win over six rounds against Jay Byrne, who was also 4-0 and undefeated, but he now has lost his O. Isaac Chamberlain was also on the bill. He was on the show last week, and he told me that he's fighting a cruiserweight who's six foot eight. And I thought to myself, I don't want to pull him up on it because I don't think that's true. It can't be. You know what sort of cruiserweight is six foot eight? How's he making cruiserweight? And I secretly went on to you know went onto the internet, had a little look at this guy, and he wasn't joking. The guy was six foot eight and a half, and he got in the ring. And I just couldn't believe it. He was in decent shape as well. A bit skinny, you know, we've got to be honest. Didn't really have much going on in the legs. But he got in there. It was like, you know, he towered over Isaac Chamberlain, who only stands at six foot two. And Isaac Chamberlain did the business. He took him out in round three. I've got to be honest, I think the stoppage was a little bit too early, but it was only going one way to be to be completely fair, and Isaac Chamberlain now extends his win record to 7-0, and and he picks up another KO on his resume, so good stuff for him, and his opponent, the long, the long lanky Imantus Davidatis, goes back to, uh, I can't remember where he's from now, but he goes back to there with a record of 5-20, and with one draw. Jake Ball was also on the card. He was in there against Oleg's Fedotovs, who has a record of 21 and 30 now, because Jake Ball did the business, got him out of there in the first round. I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's hard, because Jake Ball, when he stepped up a little bit, he got found out. He drops down a level and blows someone out in the first round. We're not really learning much from that. So I, I do want to see him possibly back in there you know with a rematch because we need to see that that loss avenged or we need to see him step up in level a little bit i know it's very early i know that the gamble was um, was made a little bit too soon but uh, jake ball is a good kid i believe you know i believe in him quite a lot so i think that he's a good fighter but uh, all the best to him eight and one now uh, danny dignam moved to two and over tko in round two that one was at super middleweight so a good win for him and that's it for York Hall that's it for York Hall on the Friday of course there was a card there on the Saturday as well which we're going to get onto shortly moving over now to Madison Square Garden the theatre in New York USA one fight to mention on this bill Michael Conlon of course the uh, the the two-time Olympian he was making his debut on this card of course against Tim Ibarra who had a record of 4-4 four and four. Now, Michael Conlon, I've never seen a debut like this, I ask, to be completely honest. Uh, Michael Buffer was there, introducing him to the ring. And I don't know, I'm not too much of a historian or, you know, I can't, I'm not the biggest on facts. I don't, I don't claim to know the most in the world about boxing. But I don't think there's been another debutant who's been announced to the ring by Michael Buffer. That was quite special. When he came out to the ring, he was being walked by Conor McGregor. <laughs> you know, so this doesn't happen often. This was quite special to see. It's brilliant to see the contingent of Irish fans out there in New York supporting their man. And of course, he got in there and did the business. He looked a little bit, um, I don't know, the atmosphere seemed to take its toe a tiny bit on him. He looked a little bit over eager to impress at times, which I don't think was, was too good. But listen, he's got his debut out of the way now and he recorded a knockout win as well, a TKO in round three. It was scheduled for six, so he got the job done. But I think that was brilliant. It really, really was um, you know, amazing scenes. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, you need to go and watch that. That was incredible. Not many people uh, you know, have debuts like that. And he's already come out and said he wants to be or he believes he's gonna be the best Irish fighter of all time. So Hey, who are we to say he can't be? What a man, what a belief, and what a statement. But no, brilliant stuff for Michael Conlon. He completely fights nothing like his brother Jamie, but it's great. Both guys are great. Both brothers are brilliant to watch. That's it for Madison Square Garden on the Friday. Moving over now to a card that took place over in... Uh, the Santander Arena in Reading, Pennsylvania. A friend of the show, Travis Kaufman, was on this bill. He fought against Amir Mansour. 
Uh, it wasn't to be Travis Kaufman's night. It was in his backyard, but he'd lost a majority decision over 12 rounds. It was for the vacant WBC United States heavyweight title as well. So Amir Mansour walks away with a piece of silverware there. Uh, his record now 23-2 and with one draw. Travis Kaufman 31-2. and And he was kicking himself the next day. He felt that, you know, he didn't do enough. And he's going to be gutted with that. He really is. I don't know what he does from here. I know that he really thought he was going to win that. He was very confident about that fight. So uh, I feel very sorry for him, to be honest. Also on that bill, uh, Kermit Sintron actually picked up... Well, he didn't. He picked up a draw. He took on David Grayton, who had a record of 15-1. and one. I did say that he shouldn't be overlooked. Kermit Sintron, former world champion, 39-5 and five with two draws. As I say... They've both got a draw here. Sintron was down in round five and the bout was stopped from an accidental head clash. So it went down as a technical draw in round five. So that's another uh, another result. That one and the Travis Kaufman result. Those are both results that nobody, I believe, saw coming. A majority loss there for Travis Kaufman. Uh, a, a technical draw there for Kermit Sintron. And as I say before, when I talked about the, the Zach Dunn and the David Brophy fight. So that's three already. Uh, moving over now to Denmark, another strange one. I actually caught the the last few rounds of this fight. Dennis Seelan, the champion, defending his EBU European featherweight title against our very own Isaac Lowe. Um, you know, it was a good fight. The fight started, from what I've been told, started with Dennis Seelan coming out being... Uh, you know, pretty confident, working his jab well, and nicking the first couple of rounds. In the third and fourth rounds, the tide was turning a little bit in favour of Isaac Lowe. Um, he was losing on the scorecards in the fourth round. Uh, some some judges giving all the... F- all, I think two judges gave the first three all to Dennis Seelan. But the tide was turning. Isaac Lowe seemed to be turning up the gear... And seemed to be, you know, looking the better man, looking uh, the more hungrier in there. And I think that Dennis Seelan was tiring a little bit because Isaac Lowe's got that relentless kind of style. He keeps coming, keeps coming. And there was an accidental head clash in this one as well, which called the fight a halt. So in that fourth round, it was deemed as a technical draw. It was crazy scenes. Um, Isaac Lowe went in there with a head by accident. I've got to say it was completely by accident. Uh, Dennis Seelan picked up a cut. He looked like he was looking for a way out a little bit, I've got to say. And when he went to his corner, they couldn't stop the cut. Next thing you know, nobody knew what was going on. Isaac Lowe doesn't know what's going on. His fans are getting riled up. Tyson Fury's ringside looked like he was going to nut Nissa Sauerland at one point. They were both arguing. Nissa Sauerland standing up and trying to walk away. Tyson Fury's holding his arm. It was all going off. Next thing you know, Tyson Fury gets in the ring. And he's telling everybody to calm down. Hey, go figure. And, uh... Like I said, it went down as a technical draw. Isaac Lowe's very gutted with this. He really believes that, you know, he was going to win that fight. And he's not happy with it. And he he really wants a rematch. I spoke to him just briefly over WhatsApp afterwards. And, you know, he was he was in his hotel room, I believe. And he was gutted. But, you know, I, I, I told him some, some nice words. And, and like I say, he's come back now. He's back in the UK. He's happy to be back. But he definitely wishes he could go out there and have done it a little bit different. But listen, he will get his shot. He proved to everybody that he's at least European level. He was in the other guy's backyard. He's going to go out there and do it again in the rematch, I'm sure. And this time, he will walk away with the belt. So both men there, uh, both men actually had a draw on their records before that fight. So their records are now 13-0 and with two draws for Isaac Lowe and 18-0 and with two draws for Dennis Seelan. So another strange decision there. That's four now. Uh, moving over now to uh, Germany two fights on this card that again were pretty shocking results. I'm going to start with Robert Stieglitz. 50 wins, 5 losses and 1 draw going into his fight against Nikola Svetlocker. 32-4. and four. This one was for the EBU light heavyweight title of course. Stieglitz being the champion. This one ended in a split draw after 12 rounds. I've got to be honest, I didn't watch this one but I was pretty surprised when I saw that. Uh, Svetlocker I didn't really think was going to stand a chance against Stieglitz. Uh, especially in Germany, you know. So, hey, it was a, it was a weird one from what I hear. And uh, like I say, it's a draw. So the champion retains the belt. His record now 50-5 and five with two draws. And Svetlocker 32-4 and four with one draw. So that's a fifth one now. Uh, and the main event, 
a heavyweight clash. This one was for the vacant IBF East slash West European heavyweight title. I've never even heard of that belt, by the way. But I will say, Erkan Tepper, 16 and 1, took on Marius Wack, 32 and 2. And uh, Marius Wack went out there and did the job. We know that Marius Wack's very durable. He's got one of the best chins in the business. Erkan Tepper was unable to hurt him, unable to get him out of there, and was conclusively beaten over the stretch of the 12 rounds. So Marius Wack wins this fight. He becomes a new IBF East and West European champion. And, of course, it was a 12-round unanimous decision in favour of the Polishman. So Erkan Tepper now 16-2, Marius Wack 33-2. That's it for Germany. That's it with another strange decision. Uh, now going over to Spain. And this one, I've, I, I don't really know why it happened. It was over in the Club Entrana in Barcelona, Catalonia, Spain. When I saw this fight took place, I couldn't quite believe it. I thought, I just couldn't believe it. Liam Smith... 23 and 1 with one draw. Former world champion was in a four rounder against a guy called Marian Kazuku, who had a record of two wins and 37 losses with one draw. Remember, Liam Smith has also got a scheduled date against Liam Williams, the undefeated uh, Welshman. And that's going to be a good fight. A lot of people really looking forward to that. And he goes out there to Spain. In a four-rounder against a guy who has lost 37 of his 40 fights. I just didn't know what was going on. But it was a points win over four rounds for Liam Smith. And I don't I don't really quite know what to make of it. So his record now 24-1 with one draw. But uh, that was really shocking when I saw that, to be honest. Uh, that's it for Spain. Moving over now to Sweden. Sweden had a really promising heavyweight in Adrian Granat. 14-0 with 13 knockouts. He was getting in there against Alexander Dimitrenko. Dimitrenko, listen, he's fought some decent guys. He's beat some decent guys. He's lost whenever he stepped up to the higher level. Adrian Granat, a big name in Sweden. He's been knocking people out. He's been going through, you know, what people thought were decent tests. He's been flying for them. He's, he's, he's ticked all boxes so far. He was their version of your Joshua. He was their version of your Joseph Parker. He was coming up, a young guy coming up, and a lot of people were believing in him. And this fight against Dimitrenko was really just the name for his resume. Another scalp, you know, and it would have been a good win. But no, it was another shocking decision here. Um... Well, I say decision, it wasn't a decision. It was another shocking outcome. Adrian Granat, the home fighter, put his IBF international heavyweight title on the line against Dimitrenko. Dimitrenko knocked him out in the first round. I haven't seen the fight, but that is shocking stuff. Dimitrenko picks up his 40th career win, and of course he's got the three losses. And Adrian Granat, 14-1, and one, and that has really really thrown a major spanner in the works for the man over in Sweden. So that's it for the bout sticker Hallen in Malmo, Sweden, and Adrian Granat. Oh boy, oh boy, that's another crazy outcome to a fight. Moving over now to the Silence Hotel in Istanbul, Turkey. Firat Arslan picked up his 39th career win. His opponent retired on his store at the end of round two. Firat Arslan now 39-8 and eight with two draws. His opponent, Jezim Tahiri, 13-3. and three. Um, That's not really a shocker, to be honest. That's it for Turkey. Moving over now to York Hall, Bethnal Green. This one was on the Saturday. Josh Kennedy moved to 9-0 with a split decision over 10 rounds for the vacant English Super Bantamweight title against Michael... Ramabeletsa. <laughs> I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, John McDonald was also on the card. Another split decision here. He picked up a, uh, well, he picked up the vacant English welterweight title against Eric Ocheng. So two split decisions there, both for the vacant English titles. Wadi Camacho was fighting for the vacant Southern Area title, the one he lost to Isaac Chamberlain. He regained the title with a TKO in round five over Carl Wheeler. Good win there for Wadi Camacho. His record now 17 and six. That's it for York Hall. Moving over now to uh, one fight that happened over in the Holt Suite in Villa Park, Birmingham, West Midlands, United Kingdom. This guy definitely deserves a mention. Craig Cunningham. Obviously, in his last fight out, he beat Anthony Agogo in good fashion. 
So he was back out again in a four-rounder against Anthony Fox, who only had a record of one win and four losses with one draw. He picked up a points win there, Craig Cunningham. So he's now 18-1. and one. That's it for Villa Park. Moving over now to... The House of Blues in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Uh, one fight to mention on this bill, really. Spike O'Sullivan moved to 24 wins. Another KO on the record. His opponent actually retired on his store at the end of round three. He's retired on his store at the end of round three in two fights running now. So Ronald Montez, 17-6 and six now his record. Gary Spike O'Sullivan, 24-2. and two. Great stuff for him a good friend of the show, and as I say, another stoppage win, so we're going to be watching out for what's next for him. That's it for Massachusetts. Going over now to Madison Square Garden, New York. So many fights to review on this part of the show. This card had another two shocking decisions, okay? So we're going to start down the bill. Uh, Blue chip boxer Ryan Martin scored a TKO in round eight. Really impressive uh, looking performance, to be honest, against Brian Cruz. Brian Cruz, 17-1 and one going into that fight. Ryan Martin, 17-0. and 0. Uh, Ryan Martin really had it all his own way. And when the going got tough, he managed to get his opponent out of there in good fashion. So, Ryan Martin, a great win for him. He's now 18-0. and 0. He retains the WBC Continental America's lightweight title as well. Uh, Carlos Quadras was on the bill. He picked up his 36th career win. He didn't really look all that impressive for me. It was a 10-rounder this one at super flyweight, so his record now 36-1 and one with one draw. David Carmona, a tough guy. His record now 20 wins, 4 losses and 5 draws. Moving over now to the other two fights. Roman Gonzalez, 46-0. and 0. Currently, the boxer with the most wins in a row out of all the current Boxers, of course, we consider him Floyd Mayweather retired at this moment in time. Uh, he was 46 and 0. He was very much closing in on that, but he was stopped in his tracks. It was a majority decision loss for him over the 12 rounds, and he also loses his WBC World Super Flyweight title against Wisaxil Wengek. I believe he's got another name. I can't remember it. He goes by two different names, completely different names. Uh, Roman Gonzalez was also decked in round one, but the 10-8 round was basically ruled out when Wangek lost a point in the sixth round for headbutting. Um, Roman Gonzalez was obviously cut a couple times. Quite bad cuts as well. There was loads of blood over the ring. Someone actually uploaded a picture of the ring after the fight. There was blood everywhere. Roman Gonzalez was in a lot of pain as well. You could tell that. When he was going back to his corner, he was wincing when they were trying to deal with the cut. Um... Firstly, I as I didn't score the fight. I've got to be completely honest. I watched it. I believe that Roman Gonzalez needs to move back down to flyweight. I think super flyweight is not his weight. Two fights in a row now where he hasn't really looked himself. Um, he's also been in a hell of a load of fights. So there's that to consider as well. But his opponent, who's obviously from Japan, I believe, did a really, really good job. Um, as I say, I didn't score it, but I think that he was relentless, he was all over him, you know, he didn't give him space, but we did see bursts of brilliance from Roman Gonzalez, when he throws those combinations, and he sort of jumps in and out, he's brilliant when he does that, his flashes of greatness, but for me, as I say, I wasn't scoring it, but it, it did look really close, how did you have it? Uh, before we go any further, Roman Gonzalez's opponent is from Thailand? Oh yeah, sorry, my mistake, Ayaz, but uh, yeah, Tyler, I said Japan, didn't I? Um, what did you make of the fight, Ayaz, by the way? I know that you were watching it. Gonzalez is a warrior, first of all, right? I had him winning the fight by just by one round. Yeah, it was that It was that type of close fight, though, wasn't it, Ayaz? It wasn't a clear cut. Some people are saying it's a robbery. I don't think we can say robbery. I think the, the Thailand, or the, yeah, the Thai fighter did really, really well. I think he came there to win, and... Uh, you know, he was very happy with his win, of course. he's He goes away now, really feeling on top of the world. He, he said in the post-fight interview he's ready to fight anybody. Um, but no, it was a close fight, Ayaz. Definitely, you can't disagree with that, no? No, you can't disagree with it. But I'll tell you something, Roman Gonzalez in that fight, wow, his skill, his punches, combinations, duck, duck. If he, i tell you one thing, if he wasn't cut, he would have won that fight. Yeah. 
Do you know what? That's actually a good point. I think the cut really did get to him. As I say, he was wincing. He was in pain. Um, you know, he doesn't get cut often. He doesn't get knocked down. So it was all new for him. And I, I'm really gutted for him, to be honest, because I, I really, really did want him to overtake Mayweather's record, even if he just fought three guys who who made their debuts, who, who were making their debuts. Just like, by the way, his opponent, his opponent in his last two fights got two wins against two people making their debuts and then he goes and fights for a world title and he beats a man who's 46 and 0 who's some people's pound for pound number one fighter go figure <laughs> crazy old game boxing is but um that's it for the for the chief support moving over now to the big one Gennady Golovkin 36 and 0 Danny Jacobs 32 and 1 for the WBA WBC IBF and IBO world middleweight titles uh, this was really 1 and 2 which we always like to see the first and second best fighters in the division um Firstly, let's just remember, Ayers, that the IBF, when their belt's on the line, uh, part of their rules is that, you know, they, they, they do the same day weigh-in as the fight, and you cannot exceed 10 pounds, so you cannot go over 10 pounds of what you weighed in at. So, well, it might not be what you weighed in at. It might be 10 pounds over the limit, which the limit would have been 160. That I'm not quite sure on. However... Danny Jacobs decided to miss the weigh-in, which would indicate that he was more than £10 over the limit, which means that the IBF belt wouldn't have been on the line for him. If he was the champion, he'd have lost his belt on the scales. So, um, yeah, so basically, Gennady Golovkin was going to still be the, the IBF champion at the end of the day, regardless. But, still, the WBA and WBC and IBO world titles were on the line, um, you know, Danny Jacobs clearly made his intent there that he was there to win that fight. He didn't really care about the belts, and you can't really blame him. If he won those belts, then you know it would have been it would have been a brilliant thing, and the money would have come rolling in. Forget about the IBF belt. If he won that fight against Golovkin, it would have been worth it. So it was a very clever tactic. Gennady Golovkin, you know, he abided the rules. You know, he's a consummate professional, so we didn't expect no different. But we do have to, we really do have to bear in mind about the size difference on the fight night. You know, it's not cheating, but it was clever tactics from Danny Jacobs. So that was a little bit of a worrying sign for me when I heard about that. Um, when the fight started, Gennady Golovkin seemed to struggle with the pace. Let's be honest, it was... Uh, you know, when when Danny Jacobs was throwing multiple combos, multiple shots, he was troubled by that. The speed is the thing that Gennady Golovkin seems to not really be able to deal with. Um, Jacobs was also going into Southpaw, which he, he didn't really look brilliant in Southpaw either. But Gennady Golovkin didn't seem to work him out. Now, I've got to bring two things into question here. Gennady Golovkin, in my opinion has not really looked himself in his last two fights. I don't know if that's an age factor. I don't know if that's because he's had so many fights. I don't know if it's because both the guys he fought were quite quick-handed. Kel Brook, obviously, you know, being a natural 147, he was pretty quick in there against Gennady Golovkin. Danny Jacobs has got quick hands anyway. I don't know if that was part of it, but it was definitely something. It's either the speed he troubles with, it's the age, or the fights that he's been in. Is simple as that. So, for me, and people can laugh at this, but one of the guys with the quickest hands in the whole weight division is Chris Eubank Jr. And we've got to bear in mind that Danny Jacobs was able to land uppercuts on Gennady Golovkin. He wasn't hurting him, but he was able to land shots pretty much whenever. And... Um, you know, Chris Eubank Jr., again, people may laugh, people may not like it, but I think he throws one of the best uppercuts in boxing, not just in the middleweight division. Whether he could hurt Gennady Golovkin is a different story. Gennady Golovkin, he was hit with some real bombs by Danny Jacobs, and he did not move at all. He's He's got, you know, he's got a scary chin, to be completely honest. However, he did have... Uh, he did have Danny Jacobs down in the fourth round. It looked like he was going to put him away because he didn't really do anything to that point. I think the first three rounds, it was either two rounds to one in favor of Jacobs or even all three to Jacobs. So he didn't really do anything till that knockdown. And in the latter rounds, he didn't seem to be 
I don't know what he didn't really seem to have that urgency. There was no real urgency in the corner. Abel Sanchez seemed to really feel like he was in control. And, you know, fair enough to him. Again, it's a fight that I didn't score. I wish I did score it because some people are seeing it both ways. Some people are seeing it as a robbery. Um, I, as I know that you've seen it your way as well. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But I do want to say this. I, I really do want to say this. I was watching it on Box Nation Live and. I felt that the advice that was being given to Danny Jacobs in the corner was spot on. I'm not sure who that is in the corner, but whoever that was in his corner was giving him brilliant, brilliant advice. I really agreed with everything that the guy said. And I think it was actually picked up on by Barry Jones. Just as I was thinking it, he said, that's good advice. That was brilliant advice. Um, Really calm as well. And as I say, it went to a... Uh, you know, a unanimous decision win over 12 rounds in favour of Golovkin. His record now 37 and 0. He retains all of the belts. Danny Jacobs now 32 and 2. But Danny Jacobs did himself proud no matter what. We know the journey he's been on. We're not going to bring it up again. Um, some people saw Danny Jacobs winning. Some people saw Golovkin winning. It was that close of a fight. This is another crazy outcome. Nobody saw this fight going the distance. I said it last week. This fight does not go the distance. You agree with me, I has. No one saw it going the distance. Along with the Roman Gonzalez, strange outcome as well. The underdog taking his title. That's another strange one. There were so many strange outcomes on the weekend. But um, I'm going to fight down to you now, Ayaz. I know that you was watching this fight with a keen eye. What did you make of it? Gennady Golovkin, Daniel Jacobs. Danny Jacobs shocked us, to be honest. Like I thought, um, I said last week, I said to you last week, I thought Jacobs getting knocked out. When, when Golovkin dropped him, Golovkin dropped Jacobs. I go, that's it. Game, I said it's over for Jacobs. But my word, in this corner... You can hear the cornerman say, just jab him, jab him, jab him, jab him, jab him. You'll, you'll be nicking the round. I thought personally for myself, I thought Jacobs won the fight. Yeah, and a lot of people agree with you. A lot of people agree with you. Um, I spoke to a couple of people that were actually there. They felt that he won the fight. Um, but then some of the people that I really respect in boxing really say that Golovkin won the fight. I think the best thing to do is to watch the fight with no commentary on and see what you make of it. I may have to re-watch it. But I just think with the knockdown that Gennady got in the fourth round, you know, like I said, I didn't score it, but it really had that feel to it where it was close. And once again, this is not a robbery. You know, that that term's very much overused. A robbery is not when a fight is so close it could have gone either way. It was a very, very close fight, and we're going to leave it at that. But brilliant action, brilliant fight. And a good pay-per-view card for the United States of America. I know it wasn't pay-per-view over here. It was, it was on Box Nation, which you know is a subscription-based channel. But brilliant, brilliant fight to watch, and a good card. The whole card was really good. So, so you know, great stuff there for the sport of boxing. And finally, the final fight to mention, one that I actually forgot was also on this undercard. One more fight to mention: Andy Lee, former world champion. He moved to 35 wins. Of course, he's got the three losses and the one draw. He's been out the ring since December 2015. Uh, he got back in, uh, you know, he fought a guy called Keandre Leverwood, who had a record of 19-3 and three with one draw. Um, I didn't see the fight, but from all accounts, he seemed to look quite rusty, um, you know, and, and, and during some of the later rounds, he seemed to pick up his game a little bit, but he couldn't get the guy out of there, and it went the full eight rounds, but a unanimous decision win there for Andy Lee, so all the best to him. It's been a real nice Irish weekend over the weekend. The Irish fighters did really well. As I say, Andy Lee, Michael Conlon, Spike O'Sullivan, the lot. So brilliant stuff there for the Irish boxing fans, some of the best boxing fans in the world. And that's really it for the reviewing. There was a lot to review. I understand that. We've had to go through every single fight. There was so many to review. The last thing to do before we end part one is to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the unbeaten super middleweight prospect. And on Friday night, he picked up his first title as a professional. It's, of course, Mr. Craig Richards. Craig, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Hey man, you're always welcome. Now, Craig, as I mentioned, you fought for a title. It was the Southern Area Belt. In the other corner, 
uh, was the champion, Alan Higgins. Obviously, you were both undefeated. Somebody's O had to go, but it wasn't to be yours. <laughs> from the no, outside no, no, looking no. in, Craig, from the outside looking in, I must say it looked very close. A, a lot of tick for tack, close rounds. I didn't score it, but many felt that you were a little bit fortunate to come away with the W. Firstly, what did you make of the fight and how did it feel in there? Well, it kind of is. I was really comfortable, like, to be fair. That's why, like, you know, it's a drop in my hands, having fun. Smiling with my trainer halfway through the fight, we were comfortable. It was like, I was boxing his head, I was boxing his head, and I thought to myself, okay, I can see he's not really working much here. I was thinking, maybe he's just waiting to start working the later rounds. Threw him out a little bit. So I went to the ropes at certain times to let him, like, work, his, work himself out a bit, have a little spells. But, of course, nothing was landing uh, defense blocking out. That's why with the judging they can see this stuff like where the civilians are can just see hands throwing, hands throwing. So they can't see what's scoring, what's not scoring. That's why you've got professionals to a professional eye to look at that stuff. So for me and anyone who knows boxing could clearly see that. So it was comfortable for me. That was part of the game plan. We stuck to the game plan and executed what we went out to do. And um, obviously, you know, straight after the fight, it was revealed that uh, that Eddie Hearn actually scored it to to Alan Higgins. What did you make of that? Yeah, of course, I was a bit like, hmm, weren't too happy about what I heard because it was kind of like when the fight finished, you could see in his face he didn't feel my opponent didn't feel like he won the fight. He come to me after, said fair play to me, everything. I said, yeah, don't worry, you boxed well. Yeah, everything was cool. I got the announcement, it was okay. He went back to his corner, his corner then said, well, Eddie thought you had won it. That's why when we done the interview, he said, well, I kind of thought I'd done enough. Well, I heard Eddie Hearn said I won. So it was kind of like, that's what caused the controversy of the whole situation. So it wasn't a thing where he knew what was going on in the ring, I knew what was going on in the ring. I think that statement where, well, Eddie Hearn, to be fair, I heard what Eddie Hearn had said. I think that people kind of put their own twist on it. Eddie Herman said, I thought that Higgins was winning the first. I thought Higgins started off fast. Then I thought Richards come back into the fight. And then it was close at the end. And then um, when it was time for the announcement, my gut feeling thought Higgins was going to get it. Yeah, yeah, so I, I was like, okay, well, even that was a bit, mm, but didn't take too much of it because the right man got the decision. And that's what it was. Like, I'm not going to cry over spilt milk. He said, she said. At the end of the day, he makes a decision, made the right decision, and I went on. It was your first ten round fight. Obviously, uh, Alan Higgins had already he'd already had four ten rounders, but he'd been the distance in yeah. two of them. So obviously, the furthest you'd been at that point was six rounds. What did you feel? What did you feel like doing the ten in a fight? Not only in 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 just a basic fight, but a fight of that pace. It was it was a very high paced fight for the whole for the oh. whole fight. And I felt great, you know, I felt great. I come out of my stool in the 10th round feeling like I felt in the first round. And I thought, I answered a lot of unanswered questions for myself. Of course, I felt I could do the 10, but I'd never officially done it under the bright light. So, of course, it was kind of like, um, all right, we're here. Like, let's see how I actually really feel when we get to that 10th round. And when that 10th round, I stood up, I was like, yes, I feel great. Like, I feel good. And I answered that question for myself that, Yes, I can do 10 rounds easy. Felt good. I know I've only done one six-rounder in my whole career and I jumped to a 10. And not only I jumped to a 10, like against maybe a good fighter or established journeyman or something like that, I went out to a guy who's nearly doubled my experience, nearly had as much chaos as I've had fights, um, and went out and executed the job for a man who's experienced over 10 rounds. Um, you don't see prospects. You think about it, you tell me what prospects, seven fights in, taking on opponent 12 and 0 unbeaten with titles. Yeah, definitely. You don't, you don't see that? No, not at all. Well said. And and Craig, without looking too far ahead, I know that straight away in the post-fight interview, you kind of made your plan a little bit clear. You said, I'm going to vacate the belt straight away and go for something a bit bigger. What is the plan? I know that now it's not the heat at the moment. Now you've had a couple of days to reflect. What is the plan? Okay, this is what it was. Yeah, when we originally got to this fight, yeah, they were sceptical about the fight, um, which I don't know why they were sceptical about the fight. They had then asked Eddie and the, the team said, look, if Craig beats us for the title, can we get a rematch clause? Eddie said to them and we said to them, look, then if Craig beats you, 
he's not planning to be at Southern area level. So Craig Wins, he's going to vacate and move on. So if you want to fight for Southern area again, you can fight someone else for it. It'll be vacant. They said, okay, cool. So we had cleared that up at the start. So when they've come with that question, uh, could we get a rematch? We told you what the plan was. You're going to have one shot with me. If I win, like, to be fair, no one usually has them sort of fight at Southern area level. So I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to show I can fight at that level. I can fight opponents with a lot more experience than me. And I've done just that. I'm not now going to have Richard Higgins 1, get to Richard Higgins 2, Richard Higgins 3, 4. Before you know it, my career's coming towards the end and I've had five stakeouts for a Southern area title. It doesn't make sense. So it's the same plan. We're looking to move forward. Maybe in the future, for a big title, you know, we can make it happen again. But I'm not going to sit at Southern Area level. It's not my plan at all. I didn't come in the game to be a Southern Area champion. Yeah, fair enough. And um, obviously, you know, you you sort of made yourself clear there, but have you got any idea when you're next out? Any kind of opponent you're looking at? Yeah, I want another good opponent. I should be out, I think, third of June at the O2. Um, I think... My next date is 3rd of June, I think. Um, uh, but we go for English Eliminator or something like that. That's what we're looking at. So, go for a nice, good opponent again. And, yeah, make it happen. Good stuff. And did you get a chance to watch the, the Gennady Golovkin-Danny Jacobs fight at all? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. But I, do you know what? Um, I didn't watch it live. I watched it the next day. So um, when I watched it, I didn't get to watch it officially on the Box Nation site. We watched it um, on some other, uh, like, a foreign site. So I didn't hear the commentary, etc. But what I saw of the fight watching over the 12, I know everyone saying it was bad robbery and everything, but what I saw, I didn't find it was a bad robbery. I need to re-watch it one more time because um, I feel like sometimes when Golovkin's so used to blasting people out um, and he doesn't blast people out, just automatically done bad but I felt like he done well in some of the rounds he dropped him got a 10-8 round one of the rounds it was it was a good fight and I wouldn't say it was a robbery of what I saw maybe I need to re-review it one more time again yeah I mean I, I agree with what you're saying sometimes when you watch it with uh, with with foreign commentary that you can't understand it's actually better because you're not swayed when you're when you're judging a fight obviously so that's sometimes that's a good thing yeah. I think I wasn't swayed so I just watched it for what it was and I was yeah. scoring it round by round. And for the round I scored, Jacob still didn't do enough to win, to beat him. He, got, he made a very good account of himself. Um, he showed that he's at a very good level and he's, he's a very good fighter. Um, and he's hard his contest to, to date. But I, I, there wasn't enough yet to say he completely beat Golovkin. I can't believe the decision. So maybe I need to watch it in English commentary to hear why everyone's saying it's a robbery. Yeah, yeah, but um, no, definitely. I, yeah, I don't think it's a robbery. I think it was it was too close to be called a robbery either way. But um, yeah, yeah, I just think that people are too quick to say robberies these days. Yeah, me it's too. like I heard the same thing with the Andre Ward Kovalev robbery. It's like, no, it wasn't a robbery. To be fair, I I thought Ward won that anyway by the exact same scoring that he had it two rounds off. I thought that he got that, but I just feel like any time people feel like it's a close fire, and in their opinion that fighter won it it's a robbery people don't understand the concept of a robbery I don't think yeah it seems to be people don't realise the difference yeah Yeah. of the team in my opinion I thought he edged it my opinion that's your opinion it's not a robbery yeah 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 definitely I agree I agree and uh, last couple of questions now I want to ask you about a fight coming up that a lot of people are pretty excited for it um to be honest, I'm not overly excited for it, but it's a man that you've sparred with, Gabriel Rosado. He's coming over here to Liverpool Echo Arena to fight Liverpool's very own Martin Murray. It's an interesting fight. I'll give it that. What you, what's your take on that? Uh, very interesting, but I think Martin will... Uh, I think like, off, um, Gabriel, Gabriel is a good fighter, but... Um, and no, he won't quit, but he... I think... No, I, don't, I just think that Martin might be a bit much for him. Kind of depends. If Martin's still great in him, he should get the win. I think. I think it'll be it'll be exciting fight, but I think I could see Murray winning it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. But there's no guarantee. But 
Martin should beat Gabriel Rosado. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, finally, Joshua versus Klitschko. It's a fight that obviously we've all been talking about for ages. It's rapidly approaching, just the end of next month now. Uh, just a month, just just over a month today. So, uh, yeah, real intriguing fight. How do you see that one playing out as we're closing into the date, Craig? Yeah, Joshua's going to... Uh, I don't think Joshua's actually probably stopping him, to be fair. I think I think with Klitschko, he likes to bounce a bit on his feet. And I can kind of see him bouncing into certain shots. Obviously, it won't be easy because uh, he's very awkward at the same time. But I feel like when Josh really starts landing, we know that Klitschko can be stopped. And I think Josh has got a lot of power. I think that he could, in the end, up stopping Klitschko, I believe. Okay, he's, well, he's we'll a see. strong athlete. I know Klitschko is as well, but I think Joshua... I think Joshua's got it, personally. Fingers crossed. We'll have to wait and see, but definitely an intriguing one. Okay, listen, Craig, it's always a pleasure, my man, speaking with you. Thanks yeah. for making time for us. Uh, congrats once no again problem. for the win on Friday, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But before we get into that, we're going to bring in Ayers with this week's news. There's not too much to talk about, but um, Ayers, I'm going to let you do the honours and you know bring our listeners up to speed. Katie Taylor will score off against former world title challenger Melina Kaliva on the undercard of Anthony Scroller Clash with Jorge Linares on this Saturday night. Yes, um, obviously, you know we knew that she was going to be on this bill. Uh, we didn't know of any opponent. She's fighting an ex-world title challenger, so that's brilliant. You know, that's a great step up. And, you know, we know she's class. I've said it so many times on this show now. She's absolutely class. So it's another great seven or eight days for Irish boxing. Another fantastic uh, Irish sports sports person uh, showcasing their skills. Yep. Finally, Shannon the Cannon Briggs, let's go champ, will fight Fresh. Aquendo for the vacant WBA regular title on June the 3rd. Yes, Frez Aquendo's been out the ring for God knows how long now. I think it's maybe two and a half years, something like that. Nobody quite knows how this fight is actually going to be done for the WBA regular title. Uh, no one quite understands how both men are in a position to fight for it, but hey, it's happening. The WBA have been called a laughing stock a couple of times. Fights like this, I've got to be honest, don't do them justice. We've got a lot of love for Shannon the Cannon. He was he was actually one of the best interviews we ever done on this show. It was a brilliant, brilliant, um, you know, a brilliant, brilliant interview with him. One of my favourites, and I'm pleased for him. But uh, it's a strange one. I can't believe it's happening, but it is. Uh, that's it for the news, Ayaz. Yep. Yes, that's it for the news. Okay, and just for those that are probably wondering why we haven't mentioned it, this show is actually being recorded right now. It is Wednesday at 12, just gone 12 o'clock midday. So we know that in a couple of hours, the Kell Brook and Errol Spence press conference will be underway. And we are unable at this stage to tell you what's going to happen in it. We don't know. So I'm sure by the time you listen to this, the date and venue and all that would have been announced for their clash. But unfortunately, we've had to record this a day early this week. So um, we're not going to get it through to you before the announcement is made. So we can't really talk on that. But we will talk about that next week's show, believe me. So that's it for the news. We're going to just cap it off there. And we're going to talk about this week's previewing. There's not too much going on this week apart from that bill in Manchester. But the other things that are going on, we're going to start with tomorrow night's card. This one's Thursday the 23rd of March. Uh, We're going to start with one fight to mention over in the Exchange LA in Los Angeles, California, USA. One fight to mention on this bill. Shane Mosley Jr., he looks to move to double figures. His opponent yet to be announced. It's a six-rounder. His record at the moment, nine wins and one loss. Moving over now to the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California, USA. Uh, The final bill to mention on the Thursday here. Jason Quigley, friend of the show. 12-0, 12-0, and 0. he takes on hard man Glenn Tapia, 23-3. Should be a good fight, this one. It's a step up for Jason Quigley as well, who looked brilliant in his last fight. And this is a 10-rounder at middleweight. So all the best to Jason Quigley, another man from Ireland. It's brilliant. All this Irish boxing in the last eight or so days is absolutely brilliant. Also on that bill, Randy Caballero, 23-0. He's fighting for the vacant NABF super bantamweight title against Jesus Ruiz, who's very experienced, 36-7 with five draws. Another fight on this bill. 
Maurizio Herrera, 22-7, and seven, takes on Hector Velasquez. 57 wins, 28 losses, and 3 draws. It's an 8-rounder, that one, at welterweight. And also, um, high-flying, lightweight prospect, Hector Tanahara, 7-0. and 0. He's in his 8th professional contest against Daniel Perales, 10-8 and 8 with 1 draw. Hector Tanahara, we've had on the show before. He's out of the Garcia gym. He's a good lad. Get behind him. Uh, that's it for the US. Moving over now to the Crown Plaza Hotel in Glasgow, Scotland. One fight to mention over here. Gary Cornish, 24-1. That one loss, a devastating loss, actually, to Anthony Joshua. I remember being at that fight. Uh, so, yeah, he's in his 26th contest here, Gary Cornish. And, um, yeah, his, his opponent yet to be announced, obviously. It's a heavyweight, so all the best to him. Uh, that's it for the Crown Plaza Hotel, also in Scotland. This one in Edinburgh. Uh, the Meadowbank Sports Centre. Josh Taylor gets out. I believe this card's going to be on Spike this week. Uh, Josh Taylor, of course, 8-0. He puts his Commonwealth super lightweight title on the line against Warren Jubert, who has a record of 26-4 and with five draws. So a good step up here for Josh Taylor. Also on the bill, Comrade Cummins, 10-1 and with one draw, fighting for the vacant WBO European middleweight title against Goji Nevzovic, who has a record of 31-6 and with one draw. We're behind Comrade Cummins in that fight there. That's really it for the... The Meadowbank Sports Centre in Scotland. Moving over now to Germany at the MBS Arena in Potsdam. Uh, Tyron Zuge, 19-0 with one draw. Puts his WBA World Super Middleweight title on the line against Isaac Ekpo, 31-2. I know that George Groves will definitely be thinking about the winner of this fight for sure. But that's really it for Germany, to be honest. Um, moving over now to Italy. Michele De Rocco, the man who lost for the vacant world title against Ricky Burns most recently. His record, 40 wins, two losses and one draw. Seriously padded record, but he does get an honourable mention. He's in a six-rounder against Michael Avakian, who has a record of 38-28 and 28 with five losses. Horrible fight, that one, but he gets a mention, Michele Di Rocco from Italy. That one's in Lazio. Moving over now to Mexico, former world champion Johnny Gonzalez, 62 wins and 10 losses. He's fighting for the vacant WBC silver super featherweight title against Francisco Contreras, who has a record of 30-5. and five. That is going to be a decent fight. Contreras is a decent fighter. Johnny Gonzalez, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. 73rd fight for him. But um, all the best to both men over in Mexico. That one's at the Gymnasio Municipal in, in, in a place called Chihuahua. I didn't even know there was a place in Mexico called Chihuahua. But brilliant. Moving over now to the Manchester Arena, formerly the MEN, formerly the Phones for You Arena, Lancashire, United Kingdom. We're going to start with the undercard. We're going to be talking to him very, very shortly. Martin J. Ward. He puts his British super featherweight title on the line. And also his WBC International Super Featherweight title on the line against Maxi Hughes. Maxi Hughes, a man who he's fought on two occasions before. Maxi Hughes has come up short both times. Um, Martin J. Ward, 16-0 with two draws, undefeated. Maxi Hughes, 16-2 with two draws. Um, one of those draws on both of their resumes was shared, of course. Uh, in their first fight, it went the 10-round distance, and it was a majority draw there for both men. And in their second fight, Martin J. Ward actually stopped Maxi Hughes. Maxi Hughes went back to his corner at the end of round five and didn't come out for round six. So these guys do know each other very well, but we're definitely behind Martin J. Ward, and we'll be talking about this fight very, very shortly. Also on this bill, as you mentioned, Katie Taylor, she's in her fourth professional contest. It's an eight-rounder, eight two-minute rounds here against a former world title challenger, as you said. Even though she's a former world title challenger, it sounds really good, but her record is nine and seven with one draw. So, um, you know, I'm not too sure how good she is. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a you know... A, <laughs> I know too much about women's boxing, but it is what it is. Marcus Morrison looks to move to 15-0. and He's taking on Jason Wellborn. Good little fight, this one. Jason Wellborn, 20-6. and This one's for the WBC International Silver middleweight title. Um, 
Brian Rose, a friend of the show, he looks to pick up win number 30. He's in there against Jack Arnfield. Brian Rose describes this as a must-win fight. It's for the WBA International Middleweight title. Jack Arnfield seemed to get the nod over John Ryder in his last fight, I believe. So uh, that was a fight that many thought John Ryder nicked. But Brian Rose, we're back in in this one. It's a 12-rounder at middleweight, that one. And the final two fights to mention on the bill before getting on to the main event. Hosea Burton, his first fight since losing to Frank Bullione. It's going to be his 20th pro outing. His opponent yet to be announced. His record at the moment, 18-1. and one. Good fighter, though. We're definitely behind him here. It's an eight-rounder, that one. Lawrence Okoli as well, the Olympian, making his debut. He actually had a bit to say about last week's show. Isaac Chamberlain basically said, yeah, I want that fight. Uh, Lawrence Okoli, he talks a lot, but it's not about the talking. We're going to get things done in the ring. Lawrence Okoli reacted to that on Twitter. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here and saying it was like a really interesting thing. He basically just replied to Isaac Chamberlain, to which Isaac Chamberlain hasn't replied back to him. So uh, that's a fight that I can see brewing a little bit even as early as now and that's a fight I'd like to see in the future at some point Lawrence Okoli's opponent as far as we know at this moment has yet to be announced but it's a pro debut for him I'm not sure how many rounds it is but that one's at cruiserweight and now the main event for the WBA world lightweight title Jorge Linares the champion at this moment in time 41 and 3 taking on Manchester's very own Anthony Crawler, 31 and 5 with three draws. Crawler trying to get his belt back here. It's the rematch. Crawler, of course, in the first fight was coming with a load of momentum. As he was going through everybody, going through all these all these fighters that nobody gave him a chance in. He was looking a million dollars. That's his name, million dollar Crawler. Linares looked brilliant. He really turned on the greatness in their last fight. He looked to be the more experienced man. He found the second wind. He did everything perfect. He executed a brilliant game plan. Crawler looked a little bit one-dimensional. He was outclassed. It's as simple as that. As harsh as it may seem. We love Anthony Crawler, but that is what happened in the first fight. Do you see the second fight being any different, Ayers? No, I don't. I think it's going to be the same fight. I think Linares is still going to beat him. I like Crawler. I would like him to win, but Linares, he's a brilliant fighter. If you see, like, for example, when you fought Kevin Mitchell first, Kevin Mitchell was winning the fight, and then Linares came out nowhere and stopped him. And the yeah. first fight, um, Crawler's been on a terrific, when he went, before he fought Linares first time, he had a ter- terrific run, beat Perez, beat Ishmael Barroso, fought Linares, and obviously Linares beat him. And now, again, I think from I think from this fight, it's not gonna, it's just going to be the same one as the first. I reckon Linares will beat him on points. Yeah, I mean, I hope that you're wrong. Um, my gut feeling is the same. I'm not sure it's going to be points though. I'm not saying that Crawler is going to get stopped because he's not going to be as good. But I've just got a feeling. In this fight, he's going to throw everything. Like, he's going to really go for it. If he's losing this fight by the later rounds, I think he's just going to go for it. And he may end up getting stopped and walking onto something in desperation. That may happen here. But, Crawler's got to start early and he's got to pace himself. And I know it's hard to do it against someone of the experience of Linares, but that's what Linares done. He paced himself and he came out with that second wind. It was so experienced. It was a real classy victory. And I want to see a bit of class from Crawler. Crawler hasn't got any momentum going into this fight because his last fight he lost against this man. But he's very hungry. I believe him. He's got a great trainer, Joe Gallagher. It could be the right time. Linares has been in a load of fights. Some say he's past his best. He definitely turned back the clock in that last fight. I hope he can't do it in this one. I'm behind Crawler, man. I know that we both are. We really want Crawler to win. Some say he's the nicest man in boxing. That does get said a lot. But Crawler is a true, true nice guy. And his journey is absolutely incredible. So it's a real inspiration uh, to what he's gone on to achieve from being written off many times in his career. So we're definitely behind Anthony Crawler, and we really hope he can go out there on Saturday night and do the business. And the final bill to mention now before we wrap up the show, this one happening over in the UDC Physical Activity Center in Washington, uh, USA. One fight to mention on this bill, a friend of the show, Dusty Hernandez Harrison, his record 30-0 and with one draw. We had him on a while back. We wish him all the best in this one. He's in a 10-rounder at welterweight against Matthew Strode, who has a record of 24-4. and Dusty Hernandez Harrison's actually creeping into the top 15 of the IBF now. So he's in that mix for Kell Brook's next voluntary. 
So uh, providing Kelbrook gets through Errol Spence, which again we've talked about it. We we don't know what when that fight is happening or what's going on because we've recorded this show just before the press conference. So unfortunately we can't update you on that. But Dusty Hernandez Harrison's a nice guy. And uh, we hope he gets the business done here. He's undefeated in 30 fights. And again, he's a class fighter. It's a 10-rounder. We wish him all the best. And we want to see him in the world title picture very, very soon. Because he certainly deserves it in terms of being a nice guy. Which I know doesn't really get get you to much in this sport. But uh, it is what it is. And uh, that's really it for the previewing. We've done all the talking. We've done all the reviewing. We've done the first interview. We've done the previewing. We've done the news. It's now time... For guest number two, it's Martin J. Ward. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the unbeaten current British super featherweight champion, Mr. Martin J. Ward. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks a lot, mate. Hey, it's my pleasure, my man. Now, you're making your second defence of your British title on Saturday against a man you know very well, Maxi Hughes. Obviously, you fought him twice previously, a technical draw in the first round when you clashed heads and the cut was so bad the fight had to be stopped. And once again, when Maxi retired on his stall at the end of the fifth round with a busted nose. This one's a 12-rounder, the other two were 10s. Uh, do you think this one's going to go the distance? The first the first time with 10 rounds. Um, I had I had but um, caused a knockdown. That's right. Um, in the in the fight and um, got got called a, a draw anyway. So yeah, that's a right. Ten round fight and the rematch. So I got the rematch straight away on with him and the Stocksman four or five rounds with a, a badly damaged nose. But um, the answer to your question is no. I don't believe myself. Um, it's going to go to full twelve rounds. I think I'm going to have too much for him, and I'll be going through the gears on Saturday night and um, show him what I can do. And as I said, you shared the ring twice. Now, do you feel that you've mm-hmm. got his number? Do you think that? Uh, do you think that you know what he brings? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think I've, I'm not saying it arrogantly at all. Um, I, I, I do believe I've got his number, and I will show you all again on Saturday. Not, not that I took him for granted at all, because it's the fight game. I know, I know what can happen, and um, I prepare myself for everything. So, uh, but in in his mind and in my mind. We both know that that uh, the, the result from the last fight when um, I badly damaged his nose, he went back to the corner. I replay, I watched a replay of it the next morning, obviously, and I've, I've watched it since. Uh, and you know, he, his trainer was saying to him in the corner, "Do you want to give it one more round and that?" And he just he was just down down downbeat, and he just didn't want, didn't fancy at all. So I know I've got his number, and I'm going to do another job on him uh, Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And providing you get through this one on Saturday, we won't look too far ahead, but you've beaten him before. Most believe you're going to beat him again here. Uh, that will mean that you only need one more defence of the title to, to win it outright. How much will it mean to you to be able to keep that Lonsdale belt? Yeah, that's right. Um, I've got one more defence after after Saturday. I'm not looking past Saturday. It's, it's the fight game. Anything can happen. But, you know, I'm very, very confident um, on getting a win on Saturday night. And... As you said, I've got one more defence. It would mean the world to me to to strap around my waist for life. Um, my second defence, and I've got a mandatory in place already from the board. Uh, and hopefully everything goes right on on Saturday night, and we can look look forward to that rare one. But all systems now on Saturday. All eyes on Saturday. Yeah, of course, of course. And I'd like to ask this to guests that are joining us on the show for the first time. I'd like to ask this question. Who are the biggest names, Martin, that you've sparred with? Whether it's not just for this fight, but in the in the in the in the past, amateur anything. What are the biggest names that you've sparred with? Biggest names who I've sparred with. I've sparred with a lot of world champions. I've sparred obviously my stable mate, um, Ricky Bones, free yeah. world champion, Kevin Mitchell, who's with us, um I've sparred Carl Sampton over the years. I've sparred some good fighters, some 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 world class fighters and world world champions. So you know, I've I've I've, uh, I've done a lot of rounds with with some great guys. So mm, in the amateurs, I've, I've I was on the GB squad for like five or six years, and I was competing at a top level there. So I've I've been in with the best amateurs and and the best professionals, some of the best professionals in the world. Is there like a, a a strange one that sticks out at all? I know you just named a couple of British guys. Sometimes I speak to people and they just throw out one, and you're like, "How in the world did that actually come off?" Is there a, is there a strange name out of the bunch that you sparred with? Uh, not really. No, Ricky Burns actually is a bit of a funny one. Um, because he wasn't with us at a time when I started sparring with him. I was only I was unbeaten. I think I was maybe 
seven and eight and all. And Eddie said, "Do you want to fly up to to Scotland for the week and do some sparring with Ricky Burns?" And I went, "Yeah, uh, of course, of course I do." And straight up there, literally, that was on a maybe Thursday or Friday, and then booked a flight Monday, and was straight up to Ricky on a Monday sparring with him. And then, uh, lucky enough, he invited us back uh, a couple of weeks later. I think. I've done a couple of camps with him. I've done the Terence Crawford one with him, and he fought uh, the Cuban. I forget the Cuban's name at the time. Uh, and I've done a bit of sparring with him for both of them camps. So I was really, uh, I was really lucky to get in there. I was only up and coming at the time, and uh, I was like seven and eight and all. And it was at the time. And then before I knew it, he ended up coming down to us, and he was part of our team now. Yeah, brilliant, man, brilliant. And I want to ask your opinion, Martin, on a couple of upcoming fights, if you don't mind. I know that uh, on this on this weekend you're fighting on the undercard of Anthony Crawler and Jorge Linares too. Uh, how do you see that main event playing out? It's going to be a great fight. The first fight was a great fight. Uh, Linares is te- technical. He's, he's he's brilliant. He really is brilliant. I love watching him. To be honest, I'm edging towards Linares again, but I really want Crawler to do to do the job and get the win. I'll be back in Crawler like boss. I'm, heart says Crawler, head says Linares, so it's one of them there. It's a, it's a pick and fight, but uh, if 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 Crawler can put on a uh, on a big performance, he 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 might he might be able to pull the win. But to be honest, I'm I'm edging towards Linares to to get the win. Yeah, I have to agree with you, man. I have to agree, but hopefully, as I say, Crawler. Hopefully, Crawler hopefully the off. brick can do it. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. course, man. And another big fight in your division just been announced: uh, Javante Davis in his first defense against Liam Walsh. An interesting one. What's your take on that one? Yeah, it's a good fight. Um, fair play to Liam. I've... Liam's Liam's thirty years of age now. He's a, he's wanted the world title since the last couple of years. He's had a bit of a stop start over a few injuries and whatnot, but um. I wish him the height of luck. Good luck to him, and, uh, and I hope he does go out there and get and get the world title. I really do. Yeah, me too, me too. But uh, special talent in Javante Davis as well. It's uh, it's good. Yeah, to he's see a him very good fighter. He's very good fighter. Yeah, for sure. And the final real question now, Martin, I'm not going to press you for one if you don't have one, but if you do, please let us know. I know that you said that you don't see this one going the distance. What's your prediction for your fight on Saturday night if you've got one? How does that fight end? No, I don't, I don't. I don't do predictions. I just. I could just see a a win for Team Ward. That's that's all I can say. But I don't do predictions on rounds or distance or whatnot. Oh, no but we'll see, we'll see. We'll see how it goes on the night. But I'm um, I'm prepared for for everything. For a fast fight, a slow fight, for a long fight, a short fight. I'm I'm prepared for every every aspect that that, that Max Hughes brings to the table. So all I can say all I can say is a Martin a Martin Ward win. Yeah, that's the most important thing anyway. Just before I yeah, let you go, it. Martin, I just want to give you a chance to thank any sponsors or thank anybody at all. Um, remember, last fight that uh, that you had, I was ringside. I had your dad next to me, didn't I? Screaming my yeah, ear Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> screaming at the screen you're hearing. <laughs> no, they, my family's great. They, um, they put up a lot as well. <laughs> but uh, I would like to thank my sponsors who's helped me out great for this fight. Um, Ricky Judge from the Gold Soul in Basilan. He's um he's my main sponsor. Um, Peter and Karen Grant from Ken Aquasoft Salt and Riglift, and a new sponsor I just had on board and it's really had me out for this camp with nutrition and that is Winnie's Meals and it's been brilliant. It really has been. I believe I'm in the best shape of my, my career right now, and I feel a lot stronger than I've ever done on fight week. This week I've I've I feel sharp, strong. I don't feel drained at all. Um, and as I say, yeah, Winnie's meals, they, they've helped me out, so hook them up, man. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. Okay, listen, Martin, it's been a delight and a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Best of luck for Saturday, and we'll catch up sometime after the fight. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Okay, now it's time to conclude the 75th edition of the Box Hard Podcast. A special thank you to our two guests, the unbeaten Craig Richards and the unbeaten British champion Martin J. Ward. I hope you've enjoyed this hour or so with myself, Joey Coastman, and the infamous Ayaz Sumra. It's been a pleasure making this podcast for you. Remember, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. We'll be back next week with another big show, as always. Until then, my friends... Take care.